Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Well, greetings, tomatoes. I'm Cheryl Denton, and I'm host of this Happy Hour episode. And as most of you know, our mission at The Three Tomatoes has always been about celebrating women at every stage and every age of our lives. And when we first started our lifestyle website for women over 50, there were actually very few people celebrating us. That's when we decided we'll just celebrate each other, right? And in fact, you know, in so many facets of our society, we had become invisible. But I'm so gratified that in recent years, more voices have stepped up to stand up against aging, ageism, and to celebrate women as we grow older and better and more fabulous. And today I'm so excited. She's one of my my favorite voices in this arena. And my guest today is Mary Ann Alda. And let me tell you a little bit more about her. She was one of the first African-American daytime soap opera heroines, starring as criminal attorney Dee Dee Bannister on ABC's Edge of Night. She then went on to a very successful primetime TV career. She was in many sitcoms, including Designing Women and The Royal Family. And today she's prosecuting ageism, and she has a really fabulous TEDx talk you have to go listen to. It's called Ageism is a Bully. Stand up to it. She has a solo show that gets sold out every time she does it around the country. And that's called, I love this title, Getting Old is a Bitch, but I'm going to wrestle that bitch to the ground. And she recently just launched, it's an initiative on Instagram called Say Your age. So Marianne, welcome. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Hi, Cheryl. I'm excited too. It seems like it seems like we've known each other forever, but not not really. I know. Not not, <laughs> not really in person. We have right. to do we have to do drinks at some point. I you guess we can each martini, have a drink. Martinis. <laughs> martinis are my thing at the three tomatoes. We are going to meet for martinis very soon. <laughs> okay. That sounds that sounds good. Good. That's a with gin or vodka? Yeah. Well, I actually like vodka. I okay, good. Vodka. Okay, we're good. Okay. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm a vodka. Okay. <laughs> and I also like dirty martinis with olives. Oh, I do too. And especially if they're stuffed olives. So that's that's with blue good. cheese? Stuffed yes. With blue cheese. Yes. Oh my oh, god. Man. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're there. We're there. <laughs> so it's no surprise to us, of course, that we live in a society, especially in this country, that worships youth. Marketers are making a ton of money on all kinds of anti-aging products as if aging is a disease. And once we pass 50, especially as women, we're either not represented representative in, in the media by advertisers or films or TV, 
as we see ourselves, we're often presented as stereotypes. And that's if we're represented at all, because a lot of times we're just simply not, you know, not seen and not there. Now, you've been in the entertainment world for a long time, which we know can be especially cruel to women as you're growing older. So when did you realize that growing old had become a bad thing? Well, first of all, growing old is a great thing because that means you're still here. <laughs> exactly. So, but in the entertainment industry, I was probably in my early fifties because I had a great career in television for about, I had a nice, maybe about a good 30 year run or so. And then in my mid fifties, suddenly the casting directors, I mean, they just stopped calling. And I had a long conversation with my agent at the time. And he said, well, you know, you're in your fifties now and, you know, people can do, you you look pretty much the same, but people can do the math and, and, um, you know, there's, there's new girls in town. I said, yeah. And, and he said, and quite honestly, Marianne, this is my agent was a man said quite honestly, Marianne, I, you know, maybe if you gained 50 pounds, you could do more character work because nobody's gonna hire you to, cause you know, it's like you're, you're the pretty girl. What do we do with the pretty girl when she gets old? <laughs> what, do, what does that mean? I mean, that, that is so ridiculous. We look like what we look like. Um, we age how we age. There's no one size fits all. So I would think that there, that you would want to see diversity in how women are aging. But it seems that Hollywood has really focused on this doddering uh, stereotype for older women and men. And if anything, we're the butt of the joke. You know, we're, we're either falling apart and tragic, you know, that she's, you know, that she's lost her mind or she's, she's feeble or fragile, or she's just um, hilariously um, ridiculous, you know, and it, and it's, it, it, really pisses me off. <laughs> so um, when I, when I realized, and I, in my, my mid fifties, I mean, I went through a, a lot of state, I mean, my, for the first time in my career as an actor, I didn't make enough money to cover my Screen Actors Guild health insurance. My uh, then husband decided he didn't want to be married anymore. And both of my parents, um, my father died and my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And wow. so you guys so with everything at one with time. Everything all at one time. And I had to make a living. My son was in college at the time. I had to make a living. So I think actors have a natural curiosity about human nature, motivation, why we do the things that we do. Uh, behaviorally. And so I, and I've been, I've been in therapy. I can appreciate the benefits of, of good therapy, but I was very curious about hypnotherapy 
because I realized that there are some things, sometimes talk therapy can anchor in the emotions. And I have a couple friends who have been in talk therapy forever and it's sort of become a crutch for them. You know, anybody who's considering therapy, get a good therapist. That's really important. Um, and so I trained at the Hypnosis Motivation Institute in Tarzana, California, and which is a very upscale, well-to-do area in the Valley, San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. A lot of my clients were from that area. They were well-to-do women, well-educated, becoming empty nesters, and they were depressed. And it was an epidemic of midlife depression with these women. And working with them, I realized that they felt, and these were women in their late 40s, early 50s, who were singing that song, you know, is that all there is? They right. didn't know what was going right. to come next because a lot of them had been trophy wives. They weren't trophies anymore. A lot of them were, you know, part of the first wives clubs. Their husbands were leaving. I mean, they, 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 they had lost them, their, uh, their sense of who they were and right. they didn't know what was going to be next for them. And I realized quickly that they had all been hypnotized into believing that women lose value and social and sexual currency as we get older. And a lot of that was from the, uh, the images that they saw in the media. Exactly. That's what they got from society and the culture. And not only were the women hypnotized, but men had been hypnotized too, which is why they saw no value in their wives and they wanted to get a new one so that they right. could stay up, you know. So is that forever. so is that your epiphany then that it wasn't just being in the field of acting where you were starting right. to feel marginalized, but that women in general were getting to that point in their lives and starting to feel that invisible, I don't really matter, I feel marginalized point of view. And also, by the way, kudos to you that I found it so fascinating that you went into, you know, training to become a hyp hypnotherapist and that you found you found another path when you, you know, felt this wall had come up, although you managed to tear that one yeah. down too. So, I mean, that's, that's a great story too. I mean, that, that could be another whole story of women finding, you know, different pathways to, to what they want to do. But, um, but that sounds like it was a real epiphany for you in terms of how midlife women were feeling in general, right? It, it was, I, I realized that there was, um, you know, I looked at myself as, you know, it, it was a career, it was a career comeuppance that I got, but I didn't feel any, um, I didn't feel marginalized as a person. You know, I felt marginalized as an actor. Yeah. I didn't feel marginalized as a woman. So it kind of, it was an epiphany. You're right. For me to realize that these women who seemingly had everything, you know, they didn't have the, they didn't have to go out and change careers. I mean, they had, they had money, they had stat, uh, status, social status, and they were still miserable. And I thought, there's, there's something really, really wrong in our culture. And the positive suggestions 
that I gave my clients, interestingly enough, because actors tend to be highly suggestible, took root in my subconscious mind. So everything that I was telling them that you can be all you can be and all you can do, somehow or other lit a fire in my subconscious that made me say, wait just a minute here. I'm not going to give up my career. I'm just getting really good at it. I spent 30 years getting really good at this acting thing. And now you're telling me I can't do it anymore. So I started writing for myself. My very first solo show I did in the school auditorium. And it was called Snap Out of It. You've Only Been Hypnotized Into Believing You're Over the Hill. And all of, all of the women students came and many of the, my clients came and many of the students had their clients come as well. And I, I realized that there was a great need for what it was that I was doing, that the other gifts that I have as an actor, as a performer, as a storyteller, I thought, okay, I've just uh, reinvented myself and I, I gave up my career as a hypnotherapist, although I do use the training all the time um, in my storytelling. And I, I just decided that's my life's work. So I- So I, I know started, you, call, you call yourselves now a pro-aging evangelist, which I yes, love. Yes. And that's what you turned yourself into. So I, yeah. I would- I would love you to talk about how, you know, you start, you were starting to realize you had all this talents to be able to bring this message, such an important message out right. to get that message out there. So how did you decide to do that through comedy? Because that hadn't been your thing, right? You were an actor, but you weren't a comedian or a comic per se right so tell us how that happened well actually before i was on edge of night i was part of a sketch troupe called off center theater in new york i was a writer performer with them that's where john leguizamo got his start by the way with off center we, we were there at different times though i'm a little older than john i think by maybe a decade or so maybe two <laughs> um but uh, so I had done sketch comedy. I had also done improv uh, comedy with um, uh, the, uh, what is the troupe out of Boston? Um, oh, what was it was the troupe? Um, it'll come to me. Um, anyway, I had done improv and sketch comedy early in my career. I just went back to it. And I had always done theater, so live performing was part of my deal. And I, um, oh, The Proposition, that was the group out of Boston. The Proposition was the <laughs> improv group, uh, which Jane Curtin was part of that group in Boston. But they moved to New York, and that's when I joined that, that group. And I'm a writer. I actually have a degree in both theater and journalism. So I had started out, interestingly enough, as a publicist at ABC for daytime television, interestingly enough, again. And I started working with Iona Morris, and we did a show called Moist, the Multiple Orgasm Initiative for Sexual Transformation. We did another show with uh, Lola Blank, called um, uh, 
Heretica, where we explored the women's sexuality. Um, both of them decided to go on to other things. Iona, by the way, is, is uh, directing now. She just directed her the second to the last episode of Blackish. So she's focusing on, on TV directing. And I just continued doing this um, with my solo show as a stand-up comic. Anywhere that I can perform and um, elevate the perception of older women, I do it. And I call myself a pro-age evangelist because I do consider this my ministry. You know, this is my way of ministering to women because women come up to me after the show and they let me know how much what I'm doing is needed because they're not seeing themselves on television. They come to the show, they tell me all their stories. You know, they say, one woman said to me, were you a fly on the wall in my bedroom? Because that, you just told my story. Um, and I talk about having, um, being a, a cancer survivor. And, and I make fun of the fact that, you know, I say not having a uterus, I'm a uterine cancer survivor, said so not having a uterus does not make me any less of a woman. I liken my hysterectomy to an internal Brazilian. If I'm gonna <laughs> landscape the runway, why not declutter the terminal? I'm still good for happy landings. You know, and when I make light of that, you know, women come up to me with tears in their eyes saying that they felt shame about not having uterus anymore. They felt less than going through menopause and not being able to bear children anymore. They felt, as I said at the beginning, we have been hypnotized as a society into believing that women lose value as you know, we're no, no, what, no longer able to bear children. Well, some women never bear, bear children throughout their entire lives. Does that mean they have no worth? That's absolutely ridiculous. Well, it's so important because you're helping to start these conversations around what had been, and we've been trying to do that too, because it's so important around what used to be these taboo topics, whether it was menopause, what happens after menopause, whether it's around sexuality, uh, all of these topics that, you know, women just didn't talk about. And, and you're giving them the space and the permission to be able to say, it's okay, this is normal, these are things we can talk about. And I think the other really important thing that, that you're doing too is, and the more of us who are out there with this message, it's showing that we're living you know, vital, vibrant lives is we're sending a big message to younger people because younger people are afraid of getting older in this society. And that's because they don't see us at, you know, as we are. So you're absolutely right with, with messages and, and, and the media starting to change with how women are presented in the media, not as doddering old fools, uh, yeah, I think we're starting to see some changes. I mean, I you know shows like Grace and Frankie, I think have done a lot for bringing you know aging to the surface in a way that we hadn't seen before. But what's your feeling on that? I mean, it's just it's still not enough. <laughs> we still don't see enough of it, right? Well, you know, it's the thing about it is that it's become so ingrained in the culture that a lot of times we don't think about it. You know, I. 
I am uh, in North Carolina right now. I flew down for my granddaughter's high school graduation. And I downloaded The Lost City, which is Sandra Bullock's new movie. I couldn't wait to watch it. I said, okay, I'm going to watch. This is going to be my plane ride here. I'm going to watch this movie. There is an older woman in the movie who is frail and doddering, the character of Nana. And, you know, the joke is, oh, Nana can't remember anything. Okay, Nana. And I thought, et tu, Sandra? You too. I mean, wow. were you, you know what I mean? And it probably, she probably didn't even think about it. She probably, oh, it's funny. It's a joke. She's not thinking about it. Right. Um, <clears throat> because I think if she had, she would have said, oh, no, we can't do that. But, you know, we, we're so used to seeing old people as the butt of the joke. And it's a cheap joke. You know, it's a really cheap joke. I, I'm a comedy writer. You know, it, you can come up with some better comedy, folks. Um, like Grace and Frankie, for example. Perfect. It's funny. The Kaminsky method. Perfect. Funny. Right. The Golden Girls. Right. The Golden Girls. Can we talk the Golden Girls? And that was what, 20, 30 years ago? We can do, yeah. we can do better. We can do much, much better. But it's a, you know, it's a cheap, easy joke. Well, it's and, and it's, you know, and it's interesting. It's so you're right, this this youth mentality and this, these stereotypes of, of what older people look like are so ingrained in our society, but it's not like that everywhere else. In fact, I was reading, there was a, a Harvard professor, she's just written a book on how perceptions of aging. And for years, she's been literally going around the world asking people to tell them what they think when, uh, how they describe someone who's old. In this country, the number one thing was memory loss. In China, the word was wisdom. So, mm. you know, it just, it, it, it shows you these, these perceptions and we need to, to you know, to, to get to that place. And as I said, it's so important that we start sharing our voices and that the media starts to listen up and people are more aware so that we are portrayed differently and that young people start to think, wow, they're cool. I want to be like that. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to aspire to be us. <laughs> well, you know, and this is the thing too, <clears throat> Cheryl. This is why, and I'm, you know, why I started the Say Your Age campaign. Yes, tell us about this because I'm so excited about it. So tell everyone about it and how that came about. Because Okay, awesome. because, because I... Very much like you, as a, as a, as you know, we're talking, having this conversation. You have, have a lot of energy and vibrancy and just life force. I am like that as well. I I find it annoying when I tell my age and people say, "Oh, you don't look seventy four. Oh, right. you're not seventy four. And I go, "Yeah, I." am 74 this is what 74 looks like you're just not used to seeing that on screen and so and i think well why should youth get all the good press i say i'm not you know youthful no i'm energetic i'm vibrant i'm vital and alive and i'm old those attributes don't necessarily go hand in hand when with youth because i know some boring dull, lifeless, couch potato young people. 
So don't, exactly. <laughs> don't ascribe certain uh, adjectives to young people only. They can also apply to older people. You know, like I said, youth should not get all the good press. So how did that bring you to starting this Instagram initiative, Say Your Age? Well, I, I was asked to do a Mother's Day show at the Laugh Factory. <clears throat> and I was booked on the show. And then I found out the title of the show was The Geezer Show. And I called the booker and I said, this is really off brand for me. The Geezer Show, really? The booker was a man who was also the MC for the show. So I thought, okay, well, you can be a geezer if you want to. And he was in his 50s. You can be a geezer if you want to. Me, no geezer over here. Right. Uh, so I thought I want to make a declaration. And I did. And I said, um, I talked about truth telling, other topics. But I said, and I'm going to tell the truth right now because Mother's Day weekend, I turned 74 on Saturday and Mother's Day was Sunday. And I said, I am 74 years old. And the audience kind of went, woo, woo, whatever. And I said, wait a minute, this is what 74 looks like. I'm going to say my age loud and proud. And something clicked inside my head. And I thought, say your age loud and proud. We have to stop feeling shameful about getting older we've internalized that you know we get very coy about well I'm a woman of a certain age I don't want to say why why are you ashamed to say how old you are why should it be a secret come out of the closet say your age because I think if more women said their age men too but I'm talking specifically about women right now we would um, we would destigmatize getting right. older. Right. Just make a declaration. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Say your age. So I started that. I just started an Instagram account. I just said, oh, I'll just start say your age. Say your age underscore loud and proud on Instagram. And I just put it out there and I think maybe there's about 80 or 90 women that have come on board and you know said their age and and posted it and then they put a little bio about what it is that they're doing and the comments that I get from the women who they've said oh I'm so glad you're doing this oh this is this you know women are excited about saying their age especially when they're with another group of women you know, there's power in numbers when we all say, yes, we're part of a movement. So I kind of feel like I did back in the 70s was part of the feminist movement. This is a new, this is a new feminism. This is a, a feminism, not only for older women, but as you said before, for younger women, for all women, because the younger women are going to get older. So as a baby boomer, again, we're sort of paving, away for the gener paving the way for the generations to follow. Um, and also giving them an opportunity to support us. Well, I love, I, you know, I love it. And, and um, I'm going to be turning 75 next month. And as soon as I turn 75, I'm going to post on your say okay. your age site. And that'll be one of the first times I have publicly said my age because many, for you know many years, for all the, many of the reason you said, 
it wasn't about it wasn't because I was embarrassed about my age. It's what people put in their head when you say that age. And it's like, oh, well, that person then can't do this or that. I mean, I I came out of the advertising industry, which is as much, you know, age discriminatory as the entertainment business is. I mean, you hit 50 in advertising and, you know, you're done, right? Right. Um, which is why yeah. advertising looks like it does because it's, uh, you know, it's all young guys doing the creative by, by and large. So I think this is really so important that you're right. And it's not like 75 is not the new 45. It's, this is 75. This is what it looks like. This is what 60 looks like. I'm so sick of the 60 is this. This is what it is. And I, I think you're right. The more of us who are bold enough to stand up and start saying that and taking a stand, I think that truly can start to change perceptions of, of, of age and, and what's going on in our society and how people view us as we get older. So, right, so because kudos to you. Bravo. Well, <laughs> well, think, well and also, you know, uh, Becca Levy did a study that says that people who um, have a positive attitude about getting older, live on average seven and a half years longer than people with a negative image right. about what it is to get older. And also as a hypnotherapist, when we internalize all these things, these belief systems affect our behavior. And so we live up to or down to those standards that we set for ourselves. So uh, if we can think more positively about getting older, it will affect our health and it will cut down on health costs. Right. So, well, and, <clears throat> well, another research has been done too that older people are actually we're at our happiest time. We're, we're much more content and we are happier than young people. Young, and so young people need to understand that too, that it doesn't, you know, you don't go into this decrepit depression stage. There's so many great things about getting older and how you feel about yourself that do tend to make us happier. So that's another message I think that that younger people need to understand. And I think they do that by seeing people like you out there having a great time and having fun and getting these messages across. So I-, oh, I, I just Absolutely. And like off. you, cause you look like a woman who likes to have a lot of fun, Cheryl. Yes, I'm I sure. do. <laughs> fun is my middle name. Yes, indeed. <laughs> when we start the three tomatoes, I'm like, look, we're not preaching. We're not telling you how to live your life. We're just all about having fun and enjoying each other and celebrating ourselves as as we go through life. And that's, that's, you know, what we've been doing. And fortunately, people are kind of starting to listen to that a little bit now. So I have another question, though, for you, too. And um, then we're, I, I hate to wrap this up, because we could be talking all day on this topic. But I know you recently joined the board of Women of Color Unite, which is a 5000 member advocacy, advocacy group for women of color in the entertainment industry. And you have a very cool title there. It's called the Age of Anarchist. I can't even say that, right? So I guess the point is, I think we are seeing more women and more groups kind of standing up in these topics. And here's another one. So do you think there is a moving, are you seeing this movement? And 
also is the issue of aging for women universal regardless of color or do you, are there more hurdles for women of color so that was a big question all wrapped up oh, okay statement. okay well i will say there is the intersectionality of ageism racism and sexism and then ableism as well um and how I was invited to be on this board, uh, Cheryl Bedford, who started the organization, I think about five years ago, um, has different positions on the board. And she heard me talk in Clubhouse, in a forum in, in Clubhouse. And she contacted me and she said, you know, we do not have a positive aging advocate. And, and I had mentioned in, in one of the rooms that I felt like I was an age anarchist because I believed in dismantling the social structures that say that old is bad and young is good. And she said, I like that title. Would you mind coming on board as the, our resident age anarchist? <laughs> I said, absolutely. And um, because it's not only for women in front of the camera, but women behind the camera find, you know, ageism too, you know, the directors and the writers and the producers just, you know, you hear the idea of, uh, you hear the, the, the number that a certain person is, their, their age, and suddenly your, the perception changes. Right. Like they can't possibly be cool and hip. Right. <laughs> or have anything, well, anything important to say. Right. And then like you talk about advertising, you know, who's writing the copy for, for older people that supposedly appeals to older people. Well, who, who's writing the stories? Who are the storytellers for right. what old is look like? Which is why we have, you know, a lot of these stereotypes and, you know, and, you know, butt of the jokes. All of this has to change. So what's happening, what I've noticed is that, you know, you and I are both baby boomers. Well, the generation behind us, our children, Gen X, they're getting older now too. And they are now starting to experience what we're experiencing. And we're not dying. <laughs> we're sticking around. So now there are more of us. The numbers are greater of people over the age of 50 or over the age of 60. And with that, with those numbers comes more power and attention will have to be paid because if not, they're leaving a lot of money on the table, these advertisers and these, you know, the movies and the, I, as a matter of fact, Netflix just lost a bunch of subscribers. Well, that's because younger people don't, don't consume entertainment the same way older people do. So it'll be interesting to see because the Kaminsky method and Grace and Frankie are now, uh, they finished their runs. Right. It will be interesting to see what they come up with next. Because if you want subscribers, I mean, older people's money is just as good as younger people's money. So do you want to make money or you want to be hip and cool? Do you think you're going to be a fuddy daddy if you have older subscribers? It'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I would think if, that they would they would go for the money. Come on, Netflix, yeah, go for the money. And, and by the way, we have more of it than younger people too. So, Abso which, absolutely. Which they also tend to forget, which is amazing <laughs> how much money marketers are walking away from by, absolutely. by ignoring them. So my very last question before we yes. end this great conversation is, 
what would you say to any woman who might be listening to this podcast right now who's in you know midlife got into her 50s or maybe beyond and is starting to feel feel demoralized about getting older what would your advice be at this point i would i'm going to put my therapist hat on now i would say do some introspection do some journaling really get in touch with who you are think of how much time you have left and think of all the things that you wish you had done make a bucket list live your life with passion and purpose don't just go day by day by day you have to be proactive in the life that you want to live so go about living it um you know don't just go on automatic pilot really and, and don't be afraid to dream don't be afraid to dream go after your dream it's never too late um deirdre mcconnell was nominated for her first tony and won she's 70. she she's been an actor forever she just won her first tony your first on her first nomination 70. It's never too late. Go for the gusto. And that starts with the first step. Get off the block, take the first step and keep making those steps until you get to where you want to go. And well, you'll get there. Well, bravo. And I, we love that message because that's what we, we sing to. It's, you know, you're never too old and, it's, and you're never too late to live your dreams. And you might have to adjust those dreams somewhat, but uh, there's always a new dream that you can that you can reach and you can get to so i can't thank you enough for being my guest today this has been a great conversation i love you i love everything that you're doing you're such a great voice vibrant voice out there for all of us and so for all of our listeners again i want to remind everyone that you can become part of the say your age initiative you just go to instagram at say your age underscore loud and proud and we'll also put that in the show notes but i would uh i would uh, i'm going to be up there and i would love to see all, oh, of, our, all of our listeners yes. start posting because i think it's just great and fun so again marianne thank you so much and um i can't wait to have that martini with you soon in new york oh soon yes triple olives with blue cheese you got it <laughs> <laughs>